I'm curious because you have a different insight. I feel like there was a change in mom's sense of humor. Yeah, mom's sense of humor kind of started lining up with ours. But, you know. Yeah. You live with me. You're probably going to pick up a phrase or two. Yeah. Some of the severest, harshest insults and or burns that have ever been said to me came from mom. As they should. Everybody, everybody's mom should burn in the list. With this one, because... I've got a few set up for other family members. So I've talked to mom already. Um, talking to you now. Talking to dad next. I've already mentioned to Dustin the plan and eventually Brandon. The goal is also just to get Brooke and Brady eventually. But I feel like because it makes sense to why when I asked you about topics, comedy was something I thought about too. To explain the family tree real quick. Just our immediate one. I'm not going distant relatives because that's going to take too much time. And you're going to run into some criminals that change their names on both sides. <laughs> I'm very well aware of that. We don't, we lose track of everybody. <laughs> we can't talk about our family tree, but neither can Ancestry.com. No. <laughs> there are some forks in that tree that are just too treacherous to climb. So, um, siblings, just siblings, because we're one of six. Brandon's the oldest, and then is it three years to Dustin? Four years? It's something like, like that, right? No, I think it's two, like two and a half. Two? Their, oh, their okay. birthdays are in different parts of the year, so like if yeah. I try to think back, I think of it like, oh, well, he graduated in 94, he graduated in 91, but yeah. kind of like me, it throws it off a little bit because I'm born, you know, six months before most of the people that were in my class, so right. it's that weird year switch. But I think they're they're just like maybe three years, but two and a half, three years. And then it's seven from Dustin to you. Seven from Dustin to me. Another seven from me to you. And then, and then I, 13. I, I that's you. I was 20 when the girls were born and I am the middle child. Right. Right. <laughs> so the girls our siblingdom spans four generations. It does. We, we have had, a niece in the middle that's older than our sisters and another niece who is basically the same age as them. So like, I think <laughs> here's here's where it gets funny. So Elora technically is their niece. Yep. Our oldest niece who has children. Yep. She's got two kids herself making our 18 year old college freshman sisters. Great aunts. Yep. Those Mormons, man. <laughs> Mormon and Irish Catholic is a hell of a mix. There was, it was bound to have lots of children in this family and nothing else. Yeah. Right. <laughs> so the reason why I, I thought I wanted to start with that though, with you, just because one, you could help me with the years, but also the age gaps kind of show why I don't really have memories of living at home with anyone else except you. I am the one. That spans all of the time because I was in Dallas. I can remember mm -hmm. it very clearly. Brandon lived in the garage. That should have been an early sign. I, I did not know that. Did he live above the garage like Boner or just in the garage? No, we lived in a house in South Grand Prairie 
right across from the high school, from South Grand Prairie High School and Jackson Middle School. That was like a big compound. Yeah. I remember the floor plan, everything in Brandon's room. If you came in the house, you, you could immediately go out back and see everything. Or you could go to the left where all the bedrooms were. Or you could go to the right to the kitchen, walk through the kitchen like you're going to do the laundry. Mm-hmm. And that's where Brandon's room was. It was like a converted part of the garage. I never knew that. Oh, dude. The, we could start there with the crazy stories and things you didn't see. Um, that was when we had <laughs> that was when we had the like designer Irish setter, like the AKC. Okay, what well, do you remember the name? I always forget. Mom knows it, but um, his name was Zach. Zachari- Zachariah. His name was Zachariah of the Mist, or something like really dumb. I think I think I can pull it up here because I have a theory about um, about the name. Put, you can pull it up because that dog had more paperwork than both of us. He <laughs> was like a 17th generation of fucking St. Patrick's Irish setter or something. I'll, um, I'll, I'll message mom while we're here. Uh, she might get back to me, but it came up in conversation once with her because my theory behind it is the reason why you have such Say different it. naming conventions for your pets like Butters Walter Cronkite Woods is because of the pedigree of this dog was a there's, core memory for you. There's a story behind that too. I didn't know his name was Zachariah of the Mist. I thought he was named after Zach Morris. <laughs> and I learned that way later. But uh, <laughs> no, but like I have all of those memories of the family being a smaller unit, for lack of a better term. Right when it was like three. Right, but. We moved to Austin, I was probably about six or seven. I know like I started school, it was like the 1990 to 91 school year when I started in Austin schools, but we moved like during the summer. So as far as like the time frame, it's, it's weird in my head. And I always think of 1990, but in fact, it may have been 80, 89 I think 90. it was, I, I think it well, may you have been were born 89. in 89, so it had to have been, it yeah. had to have been because you were born in 89. Okay. That makes yep. sense. That, that actually lines it up. But, uh, at one point it was me, mom, dad, Dustin, Brandon, Pepper, the damn dog mm-hmm. and, um, Rowdy, the cat in a one bedroom apartment while dad was like trying to get a house. And that's how we ended up in Round Rock. But oh like, yeah yeah but like i remember that time frame very clearly because dustin listened to a lot of bobby brown and <laughs> to this day i don't know if i've ever even heard bobby brown outside of that one bedroom apartment <laughs> listening to dustin put some dip gel in his hair but i'm in hindsight i'm glad he did put the the dip in his hair then and lived it up while he could yeah, right. He can't do that anymore and hasn't no. been able to for 30 years. I don't think that he's was got probably the last time. He, his hair, like if I push my hair forward, like as I've gotten older, I look a lot like him. I have more hair. But if I did what he does with his hair, I'd have to get a haircut every three weeks to a month to keep it in check. No. Yeah. I don't know if Dustin's got a haircut since 1997. <laughs> so, like, I don't remember. Like you said, you have the memories of all the households. I don't with other people. Like there were pockets of time where like Brandon 
lived with us. And then there were pockets where I lived with the girls in Atlanta. But like there's no consistency, which with means that because you were around through all of it, I have your dry, sarcastic, and let's be honest, twisted and dark sense of humor. And like a core memory of mine, like one of the earliest, you're welcome. One of the earliest memories I have is at the duplex in Round Rock. You, me, and mom were at the table eating. You said some joke that made me burst out laughing, and I sprayed milk all over the table. And the reason why I remember it is not actually the joke or the spraying of the milk. I remember struggling to clean it up because I kept telling the joke to myself and starting shaking and laughing and crying again. And I couldn't clean the table. What was the joke? Do you remember? (laughs) No. And, and at that point, so that would have been sixth and part of seventh grade. Yeah. You've met 39 year old Jordan. (laughs) There's no telling what 12 year old Jordan said. I I put that behind me, Ryan. Well, what 12 year old Jordan said to make five year old Ryan die with laughter. So it couldn't have something that 42 year old mom did probably not think was very funny. (laughs) Probably not. No, (laughs) because she likes to tell a lot of stories and I haven't heard her tell that one. So I don't know if she. Whatever it was, she was likely not on our side. Who knows? For her, it was probably just another mess that the kid made, you know? Uh, But basically where I want to start with you um, is kind of talking about comedy because we just share a lot of like cultural touchstones with that, even though we are seven years apart in age. Um, What do you remember as being like some of your early interests, loves of comedy? Because I know mine have greatly changed over the last 25 years. Generally speaking, it came from making fun of others was where my love of comedy came. Mm -hmm. I realized at an early age that people getting hurt was funny. (laughs) And not at the time, but I was able to look back, you know, the day after a week later, even times when I got hurt and straight up had the thought of, damn, if I was on second base and I saw someone eat shit like that at home plate on an asphalt kickball field, (laughs) I would be so happy. (laughs) And that would be, and if you're talking about like elementary school was when that actually did happen to me. Um, and I was out on top of it. Um, <laughs> that sucks. <laughs> I had the thought later of, man, that was really scary and it could have been really bad. But if I had been the dude who kicked the double and not the dude trying to get home from second on that play. Yeah. The view I would have had <laughs> of my face <laughs> swinging somehow to the ground, it would have been just hilarious. So like there's moments like that that gave me an initial love or realization that well some things are funny or when you uh ran into the tree while playing football and lost a lot of your teeth it's too soon (laughs) that's too soon i still think that's a that's a uh a pretty funny story even though i had to pick your teeth up out of the ground afterwards in fairness we only found one 
<laughs> also, in fairness, um, I believe you you claim to have held on to the catch. You damn right, I held on. <laughs> I don't remember much, and I couldn't hear much over the sounds of my, you know, eight year old screaming. <laughs> But I do recall that others that were playing football with us at the time, when I opened my eyes and the ground was sideways, yeah, as was the tree, oddly enough, which very uh, confused me a great deal, I realized, holy crap, I ran into the tree. And I'm on the ground, sideways. That freaked me out. But when I sat up to say, what happened? And... Ow, my, why is my face hurt? <laughs> I opened my mouth and saw. Oh, God. Four or five of my bottom teeth out. But as I sat up and I was like, ah, and couldn't make a noise because I was like, <gasps> teeth. I heard some laughter. And I know it was probably <laughs> just a thing to behold. Because I know, I know that my feet came up like Joe Pesci in Home Alone. <laughs> I know they did. Because they weren't laying right. Like if I had just gotten clotheslined and fallen and maybe slid a little bit, uh-huh. my pants might be a little twisted up, but my legs would have been normal. Right. I was inverted. <laughs> to say the least. <laughs> like when I woke up and I was like, oh yeah, look, there's a tree. The thing next to my tree was my knee. And you shouldn't ever be curled like that. <laughs> be able to see tree. your knee. It means I fell, held onto the ball, and curled up into fetal position. Oh, God. But I wouldn't awake for any of that. So I can't tell you. But yeah, wow. that was probably hilarious. <laughs> Usually, especially if they're your friends, quote unquote. Right. Your first instinct. Well, no, if you're your friends, your first instinct may be to laugh. So I take that back. That's <laughs> how good of friends I had when I was a kid. Um, and now. Oh, yeah. Now it would just they would have laughed and filmed it. <laughs> that's not even my own. My my. I don't know if you know this, but that's not my only like hilarious incident. It just happened when we were kids and people are just like, oh, it's crazy. He busted out his teeth. It was scary. But my yeah. friends were laughing the whole way I was running into the house scream. It wasn't even our house. I still just ran right in like, eh. <laughs> but um, my friends in high school, at least a dozen of them or so. Call me treadmill. Because of oh. an incident that happened later. And I can't live that down. And so that rubber stamped that, no, I'm not dark and twisted because I think people getting hurt is funny. It's just funny. <laughs> because it happened to me <laughs> again except for I was older and in a situation where I couldn't and shouldn't necessarily run to the closest adult for help right just ride it out and uh, I remember laying on the ground there's an Amazonian woman's giant treadmill biggest treadmill I've ever seen in my life the woman that ran on it our friend's mom he was like 6'4 and 250 pounds but his mom was like 6'2 and 200 and something pounds his dad was like 6'7 he was 6'4 in 7th grade Good so this Lord. is one of his gigantopithecus's parents' <laughs> treadmill 
wound up as fast as it would go. It's basically like a Mustang engine. And <laughs> one of our friends said like, oh, watch what I can do. And he held onto the sides and like straddled it while yeah. it was going. And he jumped on and he caught up with it. Well, this is one of those like skinny white guy basketball players in high school. You know, he's right. on the basketball team. Yeah. I was like, dude, if he can do that. <laughs> let me show you something. This was before I took physics in high school. <laughs> I said, I don't need those handrails to turn it on and I'm going to run up it and grab the handrails when I get there just to show you. That's not a big deal. <laughs> it is a big deal. I've learned. So I took one step and only one full step. And as my friends described it, they were like, you took one step, but your form was great. And the only problem is, is your like head was getting lower and lower and lower and closer to your knees. And they said, you really only hit the treadmill four times and only one was with your foot. But I was still like running sideways, completely parallel with the ground in running form. So I put one foot on and it immediately threw my feet back behind me. Like I was diving. Like, do you ever see that old Tom Cruise Mission Impossible video where you like the explosion goes off and he's reaching yeah. for something? Yeah, I was doing that, but on a treadmill and without any CGI whatsoever. And <laughs> all practical. After the, all practical effects. Jackie Chan would have loved it. But after it threw my foot out, I hit flat on. I was moving fast enough to where I got over the treadmill, the actual band on it. And I landed yeah. completely out, like one arm in front of the other, legs still running. I mean, I was in perfect Olympic form. I just wasn't touching the ground. <laughs> and the way they described it was I hit the treadmill and stopped for a second. And everybody was like, oh, it's over. <laughs> no what happened was I hit the treadmill and I bounced so that split second was actually my body no longer on the treadmill Yeah, but then I came down very quickly <laughs> and my face and my elbows caught like friction finally got there and I stuck to the treadmill oh no well at the time I was maybe 120 pounds and this right. treadmill was meant for you know a 300 pound lady uh -huh. who used it it was in great working order <laughs> that thing shot me across the room <laughs> once again horizontal <laughs> my feet crumbled because i crashed into a kitchen table that was in oh, that same room no well, the kitchen table was on like a tile floor yeah so i crashed into the table and didn't stay under it because the table then slid across the floor, but left me sitting there. The table God. hit a bookshelf oh, and the geez. bookshelf came down over the table and all the books like were hitting me in the head. No, I was groaning, making some noises. <laughs> My friends didn't even pause. <laughs> they were on the ground before I was laughing. <laughs> That's good friends right there. And I still talk to some of them to this day. <laughs> some of them I hung out with more and we oh. got our, we got our own stories and you know, Jeez. 
the treadmill thing just became funny. Oh, I but, mean, yeah. <laughs> but there were some, um, my friend Joe, to this day, he, uh, if I see him somewhere or if there's a group of us on chat or something, just for old time's sake, it gets brought up quickly. Some of them, that's how they say hello to me. They just yell treadmill. <laughs> and I say, yep, salute you, sir. You were there. That was a good night. Wow. But yeah, that was, that was like, generally speaking, those were like some of the big moments where I'm just like, oh yeah, comedy is great. Comedy is yeah. great. It may hurt, <laughs> but it's great. Um, but growing up, one of the things I remember most outside of just like dumb shit that we did that hurt and made mm-hmm. us laugh. Um, so it's weird thinking back. So as a quote unquote millennial or whatever, what, what makes our generation as a whole really kind of weird was we had half of our childhood, you know, your quote unquote, your development years or whatever. Yeah. Without the internet. Right. And by the time we got about to fifth or sixth grade is when it started just becoming a more and more available. We started using it in school. Mm-hmm. And then by the time we were in high school, Napster was up and going and we were robbing everybody blind of <laughs> all the content we could get our hands on. Yeah. But we were still young. And even if you think about it to this day, like kids don't do a whole lot on the internet. Like child no. doesn't. They'll get on and they'll go to YouTube, play a game yeah. or whatever, but they just are consuming just constant content. Well, um, they're what I mean, because I even, you know, taught computer applications um, for a year between history and then moving into like the teaching technology to teachers role and the computer illiteracy of students today is high. And you look at them and think they use technology constantly. They know what they're doing, but you're right. They don't. What they're used to is a phone or a tablet that they open an app and then the app does everything for them, but they right. don't understand any of the processes or how to do it or how to find things outside of that app. They're yeah. used to that one interface and that's it. Yeah. Even before they could actually teach us how to do something. And again, this was in the nineties. Computers aren't even remotely close to what they are today. Right. But I mean, I remember going to Mac lab mm-hmm. in first grade and doing kid picks or something like that. Yeah. But What's weird about that whole thing is like, I remember having to watch TV and just catch whether it was shows or like, I watched a lot of stand up, way too much stand up for how old I was. But likewise, um, in fact, that's, I would say, uh, where we first kind of started going, oh, we have similar things and interests now, because when I hit the age where I saw like Comedy Central always had those 30 minute stand up specials. Comedy Central presents. Yep, Comedy Central presents. I was like, you would say a name, and I'd be like, I know that name, and like that's where we started really sharing the same like well, cultural bef- comedy for interests. sure. Oh yeah, I mean, I can name a bunch of the ones I remember watching, and if we didn't watch it together, we eventually had both seen it. But mm-hmm. uh, we talked about them. But that's part of it. So that that Comedy Central presents is a good example because what it does is like it highlights what I was going to say. And, you know, before we had the internet and obviously that just kind of leveled the playing field as far right. as people getting exposed to stuff. But before that in the eighties and nineties, you had to have cable 
And that was not, it was pretty common, but most like kids our age, I mean, I'm sure it was probably pretty similar when you were growing up, like before the internet really blew up, but cable was pretty common, but not, didn't seem like everybody watched it. People were more video games, lots more like, oh, I'm on a sports team or whatever. And like people watch TV, but it was almost like the family watched TV. And if they had another TV, even if it had cable, it was the Nintendo TV. Right. And so other than a couple little things here and there, I mainly got it because uh, our older brothers are seven and nine years older than I am. Mm -hmm. Not going to win a lot of remote control battles. Um. But since we were cable kids and at different times we had like HBO and stuff like that. I mean, dad is the same way now that he is in the, like my childhood. 1989, he still had a weird CD player of some type and cable. Yeah. Even now that it's unfashionable, he still has the biggest, baddest ass cable package that you can get. Yeah. But um, HBO had a whole series of like, it was called like one night stand something Yeah. between that. And between us just having HBO because HBO would also run any old comedy bits that ran as movies from mm-hmm. the seventies or eighties. So like all the, the Eddie Murphy, you know, raw delirious, whichever one they, those both came on HBO. Um, and I don't remember if it was Friday or Saturday night, but they always had these one hour, things and sometimes they were a big name and it would be a really big special and other times it was somebody who later became big but right. at, at the time you wouldn't know it but i remember some big names at the time that it's funny how they've died off but they're still in little things here and there and if you just don't know who they are mm-hmm. you just don't get it but like i remember really clearly on hbo back in the day before it was you know Bill Maher and whoever that were on all the HBO shows, it was like Gary Shandling of all people. Yes. Yes. But I remember he did it. He did that show. And that was the first time. And probably because he was under contract with them on all kinds of things. Right. They made a big publicity thing about it. And then from then on, I remembered, oh, it's Saturday night. They're going to do this thing. But it's like, it's weird when you think back, like, oh, what are some of the first things you watch? You're like, ugh. Well, that was when you're eight. Yeah. Well, a little different. I mean, Gary Shandling, though, is also everybody like every comedian's favorite comedian. You know, like he's the guy that he's the Devin, the dude of comedians. Yeah. He's the dude who everybody loves. And even, you know, because he was he became a writer on stuff. So he was really behind the scenes. And so like all the comedians, when they broke into shows, he pulled from the stand up realm. And like gave them their first jobs. And so everyone always, you know, has good things to say about him. But he's also just a funny dude in general, but he's just stopped doing stand up. If I ever explain to someone, if I make a Gary Shandling reference, which I don't know (laughs) how that happens, but it has before. And they're like, who is that? I say he was one of the cardboard cutouts of Zoolander, giving him the thumbs up. And everybody's like, yeah, that's who that guy is. And everybody knows immediately who I'm talking about. (laughs) That's exactly. Yep. You nailed it. Um, one of those HBO specials that I remember and I going back years later and rewatching it should never have been watching this. And I watched it multiple times was Robin Williams live on Broadway. See, I remember two different Robin Williams specials and I don't mm-hmm. know which one is which there's one where he's just wearing 
I think it's just like a white short sleeve dress shirt. He may have suspenders. And then the other one is the one where he's all coked up and he's got the yellow dragon shirt on. And like Henry Winkler, the Fonz is there in the front row at like a weird cocktail table. And that, that's, the, that's the one that I remember being the crazy one. And dude, his eyes, I can't believe those things didn't pop out of his head. I think that's the one I watched <laughs> well, like, and, on repeat. Well, so that's like a really good example of one that I saw. But earlier, like when I first started watching it, it was usually, I wouldn't say like live, but they were new shows. It was just whatever they would show on cable. Um, right. Outside of some of the more, I mean, at the time they would have considered him edgy, like Eddie Murphy and Richard Pryor. Those would always play on HBO because that's where they, they had the rights to those. I'm pretty sure they produced those. Um, HBO definitely did Richard Pryor yeah. stuff. I can't remember. I mean, I was two years old when they came out, but they were still showing them. Um, yeah. This is aged, aged badly as far as appropriateness. But um, <laughs> when I was a kid, I remember one of the funniest things I ever saw was Bill Cosby himself. And that's mm-hmm. the stand up where he has the whole bit where he talks about him and his brother growing up. And until they were like 10 years old, one of them thought his name was damn it. And the other one thought his name was Jesus Christ. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and they would get confused if he yelled at him and called and said, damn it, instead of, you know, the other one. And they'd be like, dad, I'm Jesus Christ. Um, I don't know when that was actually filmed, but it was old by the time yeah. I saw it. Um, but that one, that whole special was, was one. And I mean, they may have shown it on something else cause it was Bill Cosby. So he didn't cuss or anything like that. So somebody like ABC right. or CBS or something c- could have ran it as well. I don't know yeah, what I channel mean, his show was Damon on. Jesus Christ is pretty that's, edgy that's for his, Bill Cosby. Yeah. That's as, that's as far as he's up. willing to go. Let's clarify that on stage. Yes. Allegedly. <laughs> I don't know how, how. It's not alleged anymore now that it was (laughs) he was found guilty and acquitted. Well, he was found guilty and acquitted, but it was acquitted on a technicality. So I don't I don't know. Yeah, I don't know how to. Yeah, that's a good point where the legal lines are at. Oh, well, Um, anyway, so let's jump ahead a little bit then. (laughs) Um, So that's like the start of it. And like I said, for me, I remember those Comedy Central presents then like the Robin Williams stand up and then. For me, I think I was probably like fifth, sixth grade when the blue collar comedy tour thing kicked off, which started a bunch of different stand up things from there, just because stand up became popular in the mainstream because those were like movies that hit theaters. Right, but that, I was going to so say that they also stand up was available. So immediately after that is when you had the Kings of Comedy that came yep. out. And that was a movie as well. With yes. Bernie, with Bernie Mac and Bernie uh, Mac. Uh, Cedric the Entertainer and that whole group, but it was mm-hmm. the same thing. It was just four dudes, all the same generic, yep. you know, stereotype of their people. But what was funny yep. about all that was this goes back to just one of the HBO specials. Um, Jeff Foxworthy, that Jeff Foxworthy, that mm-hmm. whole um, blue collar comedy thing was only a big hit because he was already famous. He yep. had a stand up that he did in the nineties and he filmed it like in Dallas mm-hmm. or something that was huge. And that was mid nineties. I'd say 95, 94, something like that. Right. Um, and he was popular then. I didn't know who he was, but I mean, that was one of the specials we watched 
and right before blue collar comedy i mean i think that was right about when he's like his show he had like a tv show yeah he had a tv show yeah but that whole thing became popular because he took snippets from that hbo special from a decade before Mm -hmm. and he made like a country album and he put videos on like cmt and stuff but all every single one of those snippets wasn't just from those bits it was mm-hmm. from that show. And so, right. I mean, that, that thing built up. But yeah, once that hit the movies, that was a big thing. Um, because in the early 90s, the movies, like that was, I don't know, that was right around 2000. I would say like 98-ish. Yeah. Remember that getting big. Um, but when we were just a couple years younger than we were when that came out, they were still making albums. like. Mm-hmm. And so switching to movies was a big thing. I mean, we re- we listened to the first two Adam Sandler albums yes. a lot. Yes. I had it on my answering machine in my room. <laughs> and somebody called me at like two in the morning one time. <laughs> I was asleep and it went off. And since it was an old school answering machine, I actually played, played it yep. through a speaker. So everybody can hear your greeting. <laughs> I don't remember what she said because I was half asleep. Mom was probably awake in the hallway vacuuming since it was only 2.30 in the morning on a Tuesday. <laughs> right. She wasn't happy. And she was like, ah. I can't believe you would have that. I don't, whatever I had, it didn't cuss. But I'm it was, sure it was up against that line. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, that whole album's up against that line. Yeah. <laughs> but, I mean, albums, a couple of them, I mean, obviously some of the old school dudes did the albums and that was like so, you know, funny. But there was a couple of those that were still going. So when they made that switch to movies, that was a, a weird change because, yeah, they also started replaying those movies broken up with commercials. They did. Yeah. And so and they would also cut out like the different comedians like section, like their 30 or 45 or whatever, and then play those by themselves during other things. Because right. like I didn't see Kings, uh, Kings of Comedy as a whole. But until like years later, when I was in college, I went back and was like, man, I love all these comedians, but I've never actually seen Kings of Comedy. Let me go back and watch it. And I was like, I've seen every single one of these. I thought they were their own individual specials because they were cut and aired separately. And that one was so much better. Like I got I got the first time I saw like whatever the redneck version is called again. Help me. Blue collar comedy. Yeah, that. Yeah. Um. I got all that and I understood why everybody liked the characters and whatever. Mm -hmm. But (laughs) funny enough is outside of like Ron White, they were all just doing Jeff Foxworthy jokes. They were Um, half of Bill Ingvall's act were jokes from older Jeff Foxworthy bits that just didn't make the CD or something like that. Mm -hmm. Um, Dude, everybody on on the Kings of Comedy, that one is freaking awesome. That's the other ones are Steve Harvey Mm-hmm. Bernie Mac, D.L. Hughley, yep. is, or the other ones, um, and Cedric the Entertainer. There may have been more, but those are the ones that I those remember. Were, I remember those. But to put that in perspective, like the difference between those, I, in my mind, have fond memories of both. One came out when I was probably like nine, and I thought it was hilarious. One, I watched in full when I was in college and found it hilarious <laughs> like yeah. if i watched kings of comedy when i was nine i probably wouldn't have got it like there's much simpler jokes in one of them than right. in the other um and so like but i still have really good memories of both those and even like bill ingvall's and ron white's later stand-up specials as they got further away from that and did their own thing i've watched those and enjoyed them too uh but that time period because we got that and then in uh, like a year or two later 
is when we start getting things like um, the Chappelle show and we started getting uh, was Jackass after that or just around that same time? um, Jackass was a little bit before like Chappelle show, but what blew that up. So what's funny about that is I remember obviously HBO and Showtime never stopped doing specials and stuff, but I I wasn't watching it religiously. And I remember just because I watched movies too, obviously, and mm-hmm. remember all kinds of stuff about them. As soon as I saw a special coming on, like I was at dad's house and we were sitting around. And for those that don't know, our dad is white and nerdy. Um, <laughs> we watched some movie and it ended and then killing them softly by Dave Chappelle. And this One was like of the best standups of all time. And this was like three years before Chappelle show. Mm-hmm. came on um i immediately left it on i was like i think that's a chew from robin hood men in tights <laughs> he's a comedian that's awesome i mean i was like 18 but i immediately recognized like dude he was in a mel brooks movie we're yeah we're gonna sit back and see where this takes us and of course dad was just like what <laughs> and then he came on and he was just like <sighs> rolling his eyes and it's like this isn't gonna be good dude Dad was on the floor laughing. That's this one of the best specials that's there's been. Yeah, I thought to it was great, day. but I thought it was great. But dad was on the floor laughing. Mm-hmm. Um, so there were still other like, you know, specials and stuff, obviously, that were good. Yeah. But um, right around that same time is also when I saw Eddie Izzard on Showtime. And Eddie Izzard, I didn't discover till I think I was in high school. And it was from you because yeah. you're like you. Because we were talking about a bunch was, of things, and you referenced him, and I was like, I have no clue who you're talking yeah, about. And he was like, Eddie, You need to go back. Eddie Izzard dressed to kill mm-hmm. came out just a little bit after Killing Him Softly by Chappelle. And they were on like competing stations. I think Eddie Izzard was Showtime and Dave Chappelle yeah. was HBO. But um, that obviously lifted him a little bit, but not to Chappelle Show's heights. But right around yeah. that turn, what, what changed, I think, comedy, and it's weird because it's not stand-up, but what I think changed stand-up as far as being available and allowing the blue-collar comedy and like Kings of Comedy and all these other little troops that popped up to get kind of bigger was, you won't remember this, but Comedy Central was not always like a true station on cable. It was not, it was one station. It was the same station on your, on your cable box or whatever you had. But from, you know, two in the morning to six in the morning, there were infomercials. Right. Infomercials. But from six in the morning until like four or five in the afternoon, it was like a stock market money talk thing with the ticker at the bottom. And then at like six o'clock, like the daily show came on or something and it totally switched brandings. And then, I mean, they were still playing not only like, I don't think comedy central presents had started at that point, but they were these other, the other two shows before they were able, I think they, they probably had some comedy central presents, but Mm -hmm. they only had a small block. So they had a few shows, but they started, uh, I remember when the daily show started before that they showed like absolutely fabulous the real dry English sitcom. And then they hmm. played some stand up. And then um, when the daily show came out, it got a, got a little bigger, but they yeah. also, that's when South park started in 98. And when okay, South park yeah. blew up, comedy central got a lot more money. 
But outside of that, their only little shows were like, they were stand up, but they were recurring stand ups. Like Lounge Lizards was one. Yeah. Um, They had Pulp Comics. Pulp Comics Mm -hmm. was one of the best shows ever. And this was all just a couple of years. I mean, three years or so before like the movie jump. But I think they were able to make that jump funny enough because after South Park got big, well, then the spot either right before or right after it became important. And so they yeah. had another show. They And I remember all, all these shows that went out, they had like Trigger Happy TV yeah. where the dude ran around in the like squirrel costumes. Mm-hmm. And then like, you know, two guys in cat costumes would come out and start kicking the crap out of them and stuff. Right, right, right. Like in the middle of a public park. <laughs> right. Um, they had Frank Anchors. Frank Anchors. And yep. then they had... Um, Oh, one of my favorite one, it was Upright Citizens Brigade. Yes. And that's where I think it's Amy Poehler was on that mm-hmm. show. And it was like four people and two of them went on to be in a lot of movies. Amy Poehler obviously became the most famous, but you see the other people, the other guys that were on it. Yep. And you're like, oh, dude, I know that guy. Well, Upright Citizens Brigade, uh, I think it's out of Chicago and was like, one of those comedy troops like, like, like an improv or something like an improv troupe, but they were on the same level as you know your your like kids like in the, the hall from canada no that's exactly what yeah. they were yeah they but like there's there's a few different troops there's also one in los angeles and i can't remember what um their name is but like every city has like their own improv group right and when you look at their list of alumni you're like oh everybody yeah everybody but, from here <laughs> yeah so but but i they didn't last that long they had two or three seasons mm-hmm. but um when that spot that was uh strangers with candy was another one in yes. that spot mm-hmm. um and Which, i mean shit, all those shows you're Stephen, talking about they had Stephen colbert in it yeah well, all those shows you're talking about are also like really weird obscure satire they, dry they had, comedy they had, they had the same sponsors as south park yeah and I've heard Trey Parker and Matt Stone even say that, like, why can we do whatever we want with South Park? Because we've kind of always done that. Anybody who didn't want to sponsor us, they're long gone if they were ever there. And mm-hmm. our new sponsors know what they're getting into so far. And this and they may have changed their minds about other things may have attacked or whatever. But he was like, our sponsors don't care. And since they don't care, the channel doesn't care. Yeah. And so. I mean, it makes sense that all the shows around it can kind of be crazy too. Mm-hmm. But when that started blowing up and then not only did the South Park slot become good, the next slot, the next slot, and then that carried over to the next day or when are they running a South Park rerun or whatever, mm-hmm. um, that allowed Comedy Central to take over the whole channel. And that's when I started watching Yeah, so Comedy when you wake Central. up at six in the morning... They're going to mm-hmm. play reruns of Comedy Central Presents until noon. Yeah. And then they'll start playing some reruns of shows that they had. They got to the point where they could, you know, instead of syndicating their shows to other channels, they just syndicated, syndicated, syndicated it to themselves <laughs> and took over right. the whole station and money talks or whatever. It had some weird, really dumb name, but yeah. it got bumped because it's not funny. <laughs> um so from there this is where we meet our kind of crossroads it's like the perfect time of where i started watching the same things you were watching so that's when like adult swim hits that's when we get chappelle show we start getting um was flight of the concords was a few years after that i think a few but not many so not chappelle many. show 
Chappelle show started like in Oh three. Mm-hmm. And I remember distinctly watching flight of the Concords in like Oh seven, Oh eight, the show, yeah. but they yeah. had specials. They had a special. Yeah. On like, a little before that and i mean the show mm-hmm. is just based off their specials and tenacious d had a show around then too uh like earlier than that too around the time of Chappelle show on uh, well, hbo well and see that's funny because yeah their show was before Chappelle show like their right. hbo show um but they were doing oh shit they were doing dumb shit like in 1996 they just weren't very popular like jack black you can go back and watch some of his old movies i think he was mm-hmm. just doing movies to su- try to support tenacious d but yeah that was a good one and that was I mean, on hbo yeah. <laughs> and it was weird even then but that was closer mm-hmm. to like 2000 yeah when they when they started going but yeah they had they had their thing it was all there was a lot of stuff that was coming out and that was also that three years or so was the buildup of things like youtube it started i mean i mentioned like napster earlier but there were so many just peer-to-peer things where people were sharing Mm-hmm. music little video clips everything yeah youtube hit 2005 right well i mean when that's started. when it started yeah but i mean people weren't before really that there were fully like kicking other, until like yeah. 2008 but before yeah. that you just shared stuff in a different way it wasn't as easy i mean hell people had no, myspace and stuff before that but yeah. um all of that happened right as like comedy central like them or not they're they're the cause for a lot of it um, they are Absolutely. But one of my go to channels for years. All of those things happened when they took over and became a full fledged channel all day long and Mm -hmm. stuff was syndicated on it. It wasn't just like, oh, are you at home on Wednesday at seven? Well, that's also when stuff up. I started going back and watching older things that now I have references to because, like, in middle school, I would come home and the things, the shows I watched in middle school after school made no sense to like my friends and stuff because I was like, oh, I'm going to watch Married with Children and Sanford and Son and like the shows that my older brothers or parents talked about and I saw were on and I was like, oh, this is funny and I get it now. Right. And then, well, you know, the, that's what I was watching mostly. Well, all of the best shows, it's funny. If you look at like, all right, what are the some of the funniest, whether they were bits or whether mm-hmm. they were um full specials or whatever that you saw the shows in the mid to late 90s were yeah. all written like the the big number of the big ones the comedy shows anyway like sitcoms 80% of them i would wager the main character was a comic from the early 90s mm-hmm. and that pattern yeah. continues like every 5 years so in the mid to late 90s you had like home improvement well, Tim yeah. Allen was a stand-up guy. His whole, uh, yep. that whole thing started in his, that was his comic character. He was just like, oh yeah, my wife got a vacuum. It sucks. Mm-hmm. So I rewired it. And that was like his whole bit. And they, then it became a show. Um, yeah. Even like Brett Butler. Seinfeld was even started with it. Uh, yeah. Well, Seinfeld, they just went with it. But like Brett Butler got her own show and it was huge when it was on. Um, shit, Roseanne was a, stand-up mm-hmm. medium and that show was bob saget. ever well yeah i think bob saget's stand-up came later he may have done some stand-up he became known for his stand-up after that because he did stand up before. shock value yeah. alone of seeing the dad from full house start talking about you know dropping rape and abortion jokes is just that's 
Um, I'm <laughs> well. That's the same with my everyone money. loves Raymond. Take like my money. Ray Romano's yeah, that, that's a really good example. Is that way too. Yeah. Well, his um, stand up well, was really good, but he got a lot bigger as a stand up guy. Like all the others, they were famous. People knew who they were. But yeah. They weren't killing it in stand up. Yeah. Um, then in the say early two thousands or whatever. You look at who we watched on all the Comedy Central Presents shows. Mitch Hedberg, The Amazing Jonathan. Well, you can, <laughs> I'm, I mean, there's, um, well, Amazing Jonathan was Lounge Lizards. He may have done a Comedy Central Presents. I but didn't he see did him look, until Comedy Central Presents. Oh, see, I, when I think of him, he had a full 30 minute special on Lounge Lizards. Yeah. Um, and that one was a good one. So Lounge Lizards, there weren't a lot of them, but it was like Nick DiPaolo. Okay. Was was on that. That was the first time I saw Jeffrey Ross. He was oh. on Lounge Lizards. Yeah. Um, he had hair. He looked like the actor from Arliss or the first Batman movie that was the I don't reporter. Believe you. He, don't believe that's, you. What, that's what he looked like. It was crazy. <laughs> um, but the guys from the Comedy Central Presents that went on like in the early two thousand, Nick Schwartzen obviously is an Nick easy Schwartzen. one. Yeah. Um uh, Dimitri you, Martin. You, do I know you saw live Nick Schwartzen at least once? Multiple times. Yeah. I knew um, you, but, you were at the filming of his DVD in yeah. Austin. Yeah. Yeah. One of them. I don't know. He, he tended to go there a lot yeah. for his DVDs. But if you think about the people that had shows and you look mm-hmm. at the comedy central presents list from the late nineties, I mean, yeah. look, Dave Attell, Patton Oswald, Lewis Black, Jeff Dunham, Dane Cook, Zach Galifianakis, Dimitri yep. Martin, Nick Schwartz and Mitch dude. Hedberg. That's just taking dude. one or two from each season. The, the Zach Galifianakis 30 minute special where he ends in the piano, like interpretive yeah, dance around yeah. with the choir. That special is funnier than anything Zach Galifianakis has ever done. Yeah. But that's all taken from comedy central presents right. and in the early two thousands, mid two thousands, even up to 2010, those were the people getting big for doing yep. shows. Like it's yeah. that, five to 10 year jump. Everybody who was a comic is now doing movies. I mean, Adam Sandler did the same thing and it's weird because he used to be the crazy raunchy comic, but he's, he's one of the weird examples like Jack Black though. So him, Jack Black, other people were doing movies and commercials and stuff when Mm -hmm. they were younger. So they were kind of already in the movies. uh, Jack Black is in Biodome. Yes, he is singing in the back, talking about he wants to save some trees. Mm -hmm. Um, he was in a terrible movie called Airborne where he was a rollerblader hey, hey, for some hey. reason. Airborne is vital to my childhood. Don't talk about that as being terrible. There are a lot of things vital to everybody's childhood that were terrible, Ryan. Okay, we don't need to talk about Bill Cosby again. Sustained. <laughs> so, but there's a lot of, like, that That kept going. So Chappelle and, uh, like, Chris Rock and, mm-hmm. you know, D.L. Hughley and shit, even... Like Steve Harvey, they were all part of a show, yeah, like a sitcom or something. But it, they were comics, and then they m- went on to take over TV. Yeah. But I think that's funny too because in Mitch Hetberg's Comedy Central presents, he had this hilarious joke where he talked about, "Oh, well, you know, once you get a little bigger in in comedy, people are always coming to you. Hollywood's always calling, and they're like, hey, we want you to write a script.' And he's like, that's not really fair. I mean." Just because I'm funny doesn't mean I know how to write a movie. You wouldn't mm-hmm. go up to a chef and be like, hey, man, I really love your food. Can you farm? <laughs> and it's like, it, it's that, funny, though, because a lot of them go on to be farmers. 
Right. Yeah. <laughs> that though, that sort of dry comedy right there carries over. And I think that enjoying that comedy, the, the st- like uh, Stephen uh, Wright, if we want to go further back, the Mitch Hedberg, the um, even Dimitri Martin did it to that dry, just blunt. I'm just going to say something very calmly and it's going to come across and you're just going to crack up laughing. I think is well, what sent me down Galifian. the path of Zach Galifianakis to sent me down the path of now today. I love British comedy. Like that is my yeah. main, like British panel shows are some of my favorite television to watch the um uh british stand-ups like ricky gervais eddie Izzard, jimmy carr like those are tim mentioned like those are the ones i watch all the time and then also the movies because then we had i remember i think the it's got to be the first radar movie i saw in theaters was shot in the dead with you yeah i was questioning the whole time i was like they're gonna let us they're gonna let me buy yeah. these tickets i mean <laughs> my little brother he's obviously young but he's kind of tall and i was like i'm 19, 20, I think it was 20 mm-hmm. at the time. But I was like, we'll see how this goes. It is a daytime showing. Yep. They won't <laughs> care. But I remember that. I, I'll, I always remember, I was like, man, it's weird. I felt like I snuck him in, but I didn't sneak him in. Yeah. People just didn't ask any questions. Right. But, but the whole time I remember being nervous because we were like, there's a chance they don't yeah, let me I wasn't, in. I wasn't worried, <laughs> but I was very well aware before we even got there. I was like, this may go south. I don't know if they'll let us in, but no, I remember that clearest day. That was very shortly after I moved back to Austin, yeah, back to Austin. Yeah. And that I is still up there as one of my favorite movies of all time. Well, part of my like deadpanning, I do try to deadpan people because I, mm-hmm. I, without a doubt, watching comedy pretty much determines my delivery on just how I speak, even if I'm not telling a joke. Likewise. Um, but, that goes back even further because when I was a kid, we also, dude, I watched the Naked Gun movies with Leslie Nielsen way, yes, way too much. And like and I saw way the too airplane. young for me. <laughs> oh, yeah. It was too young for me. I airplane, saw Naked Gun, all those. Well, I was way too young for. I saw the second Naked Gun movie in the theater. I think I was nine. <laughs> that's I definitely saw that's a brave the third choice. one but i know i saw the second one and i was in elementary school i think we went to like the dollar cinema with like somebody's parents took us for some kid's birthday oh my god and they god. were just like come on in kids what a wild 90s time the were 80s a weird were. place 90s, oh, 90s 90s <laughs> 90s but um yeah the dead painting thing i mean like i said not just telling jokes or whatever but mm-hmm. just i mean i'm a smart ass to begin with half of the what comes out of my mouth is a joke. I was cracking up jokes when I was disciplining my girlfriend's kid the other night. <laughs> I mean, I didn't, in my defense, I wasn't necessarily cracking jokes. I just couldn't think of other ways to put things. Right. Because the first thing that popped in my head was funny. <laughs> and also I figured if she laughed, that means she's listening. It is true. It's a good it attention more, getter. It was a more of a discussion. But I mean, yeah, those those dry, dry comics, they impacted me like no other. And English especially. I mean, mm-hmm. I was I liked a lot of English comics before it, but I I think I really started jumping into it both feet after Eddie Izzard. But yeah, it wasn't just I think a combination of watching all those stand ups and just general lack of care 
Like I never had any issue with public speaking or anything like that. Yeah. And most of it, like I didn't go up there and just act like a goofball and didn't like vaudeville or anything like that. But <laughs> while I didn't like most of the people in theater and stuff like that, anytime I had a speech class or had to give a press, it's whatever. And I'm going to have a joke in there. It may be okay. It may not be okay. We'll find out. Yeah. But usually it's deadpan. I'm deadpanning something. There's, there's a pun mm-hmm. in there somewhere. If possible, I'd like to make it in the title if I have to present something. So before I've even said a word, people are laughing. That's it's a good start. And, and the, the, my favorite thing about those types of puns and deadpan puns is that joke is for about six people. Like it's not my even six, my six favorite people in the group. <laughs> exactly. It's like, OK, I don't know who they are yet, but I'm going to find them. Yeah, I'm going to find them and I'm going to I'm going to focus on you. This is going to be fun for you and you alone and no one else. Yeah, I've I've made puns that were bombs. Yeah. But one person snickered in the back of the room. and I'm like, not only did that person get it, that is not on the list of people I thought were going to get it. <laughs> now it creeps me out a little bit. They did get it. <laughs> and I like it. <laughs> I said that in in a like meeting one time, everything was just getting out of control. People were talking and griping and it was like a morning huddle. And I don't even think I was in charge. I think I was just like a a wing of the team. Yeah. And but but one of the people they came to for help and like mentorship and stuff. So it was a little bit of like a higher rank if you want to even use that word. But somebody said something about I I don't even want to do this. I could be home playing video games. Somebody was like, yeah, I could be making soup. And then somebody else said something really dumb, like sewing a quilt or something. And then the next person's like, yeah, I could be at home petting my cat. And I just said, what does that mean? And everybody was just like, everybody just, everybody just, everybody just carried on going rabble, rabble, rabble. And like this little really over the top religious girl. She was kind of short and like tubby. Like I, what I remember most about this girl is on Halloween. I should have known that she would have got the joke, but like on Halloween when everybody was allowed to dress up, all she did was she went home surrounded by her like, you know, gerbils and cats. And she crocheted a brain slug from Futurama and put it on like a hair clip. So she was herself, but walking around with the brain slug on. And I should have known that of all people, she would get more jokes than I gave her credit for. But in the back, when I said, what does that mean? She wasn't even close to me. Like Everybody heard me, but she was just like, and turned around and covered her mouth. And, and so when she turned, it was like her whole body turned on a swivel. And I was like, all right, that's a good joke. I nailed it. I nailed it. I like finding those groups too at work um, one day when I get tired or just haven't had enough caffeine that day or whatever. My like filter and block is just gone. Like there's no first thought in my head is what's coming out if it's a joke. Like I just can't stop it. And in my office, this was when I was um, no longer in the classroom, but I had an office where all the teams would come and meet. And they would meet with one of like three instructional coaches, what they called it. So I was a social studies guy. We had someone for math and science. We had someone else for English, right? And the science group was meeting and they're just at this table talking. And my desk is just off to the side. I Most of the time, I just put in headphones and ignore everything they're doing because it doesn't matter. And one of the teachers is super proud on that day. Like, guys, I'm so happy. We did this lesson, never done it before. And like, it just worked. I hit 
homeostasis hard today, just under my breath, which is like, I'm pretty sure that's a hate crime. <laughs> they lost it. And I was like, oh, did I say that out loud? I, ew, my bad. <laughs> but then in that moment, I was like, oh, I like you guys. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, usually when you blurt out something because it's just in your brain and you didn't necessarily mean to blurt it out, you learn a lot of good or bad about the people around you. <laughs> yeah. And potentially how they may feel about you from that point on. <laughs> I, when it came out and they started laughing, I went, oh, I'm in trouble. <laughs> I've gotten to the point where I feel like because I've timed so many jokes or pranks so well with the people in my current mm-hmm. office that one of them I feel like every time she gets around me, she says something or whether it's she says the words she means to say, but then realizes who she's talking to and how that may be interpreted. Yeah. Even though I know what she's saying, but I'm mm-hmm. not I'm not I'm going to answer the other question and interpret it differently differently every time. That's one of my favorite things is to take the exact words somebody says yes. and answer a question they didn't realize they asked. <laughs> Very much so. But I know what the hell they meant. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I feel like I've done that with her so many times. That now, anytime she says something, she either says something that's a double entendre or something like that, or she straight up says something similar that rhymes with what she really wants to say. That's mm-hmm. the dirty phrase she's trying specifically to avoid. <laughs> and now I feel like I've scared her into my comedy realm. Uh, I have an interjection here. We have an answer. Uh, Wilson. Wilson Proud Zachariah was the name of the Irish setter. Oh, nice. Nice. But yeah, the, uh, that, that is stretched into almost every aspect of my life. You should have seen Richard's funeral in the speech I made. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> and I was the last one I brought it home. Okay, hold on. Because I hold couldn't on. be followed. Hold on. <laughs> Everybody was all serious and talking about things they shouldn't be talking about. And I was like, well, if this is where it's going. Oh no. Here we go. And 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 people were staring at me too. <laughs> like, Jordan, you have to get up and say something. Like he and I hadn't really talked or been friends in like 10 years, but since we were best friends growing up. Yeah. And you know, I was basically his family considers me siblings. They were like, You gotta go. Yeah. And like without getting into too much detail, some of his newer friends were getting up there and they were talking about, oh, how good of a guy he was or things that he did. And it's like, okay, cool. But you could tell something was off about just about everybody that got up there. And then later people started going up there and like, Oh, Richard helped me with get over drug addiction and all this other Mm -hmm. stuff. And then it started just going downhill about people struggling with addiction. I was like, I don't know that this is what this is supposed to be. I think you people just go to so many meetings. You think if you're talking in front of a group, you got to talk about your addiction. Right. And then like one one dude got up there and just told a funny story, a normal funny story about back in the day. And I was like, all right, that's how this should go. And then like 10 more people got up there talking about addiction and stuff like that. And I was just like, eh. I was there. It was sad. Yeah. I was trying to pay my respects, but everybody was itching me to go up. And mom was there like putting an elbow on me like, you got to get up and say something. You got to get up. You got to go. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, all right. And I got up there and the first thing I did was like, I put my hands on the little rostrum and I was just like, ah. and it's just like, here we go. Time to bring it home. Um, but other than the fact that it was a funeral and there was a couple sad moments, that whole delivery was just nothing but deadpanning everybody. And everybody was cracking up. I told the story 
about a time we came home to his house, like in the summer. And when we came out, we were attacked by a giant mama bat who thought that we had her baby in our back pocket. Um, Chased us down the street. I ended up in a Jeep with no driver. I'm the passenger strapped in rolling backwards down a neighborhood street, like a hill in a neighborhood street. Jeez. With angry mama bat in tow. Um, That was my funeral story. Like that was, and that was the last one that went, (laughs) but that whole story was like, great. Like it had everything because his parents, his stepdad, like everybody was there in the front row and they were all sad. And they're the ones like staring at me. Like you have to say something. Yeah. So I got up and like part of the story is was like, so we learned a long time ago that it didn't, it didn't matter this particular evening, but we learned a long time ago that if we wanted to sneak out, we didn't have to like push the car or like park in a funny spot so that people didn't hear us start it. We realized that if you just parked in the driveway and <laughs> took off the emergency brake, you roll like half a mile backwards. And you don't even have to turn the car on. You can start the car down the street. So as I'm telling this story, like people are wondering, like I hadn't said anything about that other than I, t- I gave, I get, I'm the only person to give a, a speech at a funeral that had a title. And I was like, all I'm going to say is we used to refer to this as the bat story. That was my intro to this funeral speech. But when I was talking about like the car rolling backwards, like that was my intro. I was like, that's very important to the story. You need to know that. And we, even though we knew that and had known that for a long time. And I looked right at Richard's mom and I was like, sorry, Alice, we, we snuck out a lot. And then like she smiled. Well, then later in the story, I, the reason the bat was chasing us to begin with was that his mom, his dad, his sisters, they were all doing like yard work all day long. We were mm-hmm. at Barton Springs or something. Yeah. Well, at some point during the day, they found like a baby bat that had fallen out of a tree or something. Mm. And I don't know if it was playing dead, just concussed, but right. per their story, it wasn't moving, but it seemed like it was alive. So in all of their wisdom, they picked up the bat, put it in a shoebox. And like continue doing their yard work. Well, that was in the middle of the day. By the time we got back, the sun was down. And in hindsight, Mm -hmm. that bat took a swoop at us before we even realized he was swooping at us when we were walking into the house. Yeah. Because they left that baby bat in a shoebox on the front porch right by the front door. And we had no idea it was there. And then we walked out of the house at one point to get something out of the Jeep. And that was the first time it swooped at us. We realized it was there and we knew when we were leaving again, we were going to, we were walking into the lion's den. Well, as I'm telling this story, Richard's stepdad is in the front yard. And Mm -hmm. even though he was like, he was in the uh, front row, he was in the front yard all day long doing all that. He immediately remembered through everything else. He was like, Oh, the bat. I remember that. And so like now he's involved and Richard's little sister was the genius who came up with the box idea to begin with. So now she's involved (laughs) and 
everybody else in the family, if they weren't directly involved in what happened, they all saw our reaction as we we're driving down the street, like our hair was on fire. But right. like, I, I could have told several stories, but like that was a funeral speech. <laughs> I just told that story. And again, yeah. I mean, the way it ended was we, we started trying to drive off. The bat became more aggressive. Richard just jumped out of the Jeep and bailed. We're strapped in and rolling backwards. And I knew the car wasn't going to stop for at least half a mile. And yeah. I was looking over my shoulder and trying to steer with my left hand. And I didn't steer it, but I was able to take like a one turn that we wouldn't normally go. But I knew that like if I turned, we'd lose momentum. And right. I wouldn't be rolling backwards. I still probably have a bat to deal with. But um, once I turned it, I hopped out. I got into the driver's seat and I started driving. And I literally got like two blocks away from the house because I wasn't going back. There's a bat over there. So I was going to go all the way back around the long way around his street. Yeah. Which was easily like a mile on its own, just the, the loop. And I got about three quarters across the mile, getting ready to turn to come back and start looking for him. When he jumped out of like somebody's bushes oh, and jumped through like into the moving Jeep into the passenger seat that I just jumped out of. And he was like, good looking out, man. Good looking out. I'm like, good looking out. Nothing. You bailed on me, man. <laughs> so after all the stories of people being like, and Richard was there for me, you're like, I was like, dude, I was his best bounced. friend. I have more dirt on him than he does to this day. and he bailed on me <laughs> that's right i made a graveyard joke <laughs> that's a solid joke right there actually yeah, more dirt on him than he does on the moment I've, I've never thought of that before it's the first time i've ever been Use it. You can keep that one. You can, you can do it <laughs> Thank, you. Thank you, man. That's a it's <laughs> a good story. Um, but yeah, needless to say, uh, stand up, dry delivery, mm -hmm. puns, yes. lots of puns, all of them. Um, cut to though, like December of 2019, and we're at that game show thing with the Johnson family, which I set to rated r yeah setting. i wasn't ready for half of that <laughs> i don't care what content you throw at us like the fact that you went up there at one point to the host and like because you're going up for family feud or whatever and he, you just look at him and go has your mom ever turned to you and asked what's a mustache ride <laughs> yeah yeah like, yeah this is fun for you my mom just turned to me and asked me jordan what's a mustache ride and then he goes he goes what did you say you said i didn't say a damn thing i just walked up here yeah I didn't say a damn thing luckily it was my turn some say i'm still fucking deflecting <laughs> and there's dude that whole night like the the moments where the two moms were up there for the uh the face-off lightning round like wheel of fortune guess the phrase and it was a erotic literature title yeah. and everyone in the room knew it was a tale of two titties yeah but the two moms were like what is going on yeah <laughs> but they were they were trying they, they were, were trying, trying but they were both way out of their element they and were finally, still too new to the scene <laughs> and finally data got it it was like oh tale of two titties oh no what did i just say yeah, she like, got she so, so excited <laughs> and then the single most embarrassing phrase she could say in front of her children 
Which was so funny to me that she'd get embarrassed uh, because I forgot because I said the, that. the team names, the team names yeah, it between was that Woods and the Johnsons. That's it was, nothing it was, but dick jokes all night long. The Hardwoods versus the versus the Big Johnsons, and his so yeah, like, no, I, that was that night had a lot of firsts. <laughs> Uh, I'm sorry if yeah. I didn't prepare you for I that forgot. night, but damn, no, is that I, fun. I forgot that I got up there, and it was the one time that I saw the little game show host, the goofy look on his face and all his little quips. His <laughs> mouth just dropped, and he's just like, what'd you tell her, man? <laughs> you, he got concerned all was curious. <laughs> but I even saved that, too. I was like, there's no way I can let this go without mentioning to everybody that my mom, my Mormon <laughs> mother who had a pet deer as a child just turned to me and asked me what's a mustache ride and i have a beard i'm out i'm out but all of y'all are coming with me and you're gonna feel some of what i feel right now and understand that i may miss this question and i'm not the best choice for the lightning round at the moment oh my God. Yeah. One of the things that, I mean, along the way, as far as loosening mom up, if I had told this joke at 12, she would have smacked me upside the head with a wooden spoon. But since I was like 16, one of our friends was over. I think it was Mike uh, in high school. My buddy Mike came over and we're sitting in the kitchen and Mm -hmm. we're just drinking a soda or something. Nothing's going on. We're about to leave or just got back from doing something. And we're sitting in there and Mike, I guess, didn't realize that we had a dog that followed mom around. This was, you know, 19 year old pepper. Pepper. Oh my God. Yes. And so I was like, dude, yeah, she's old. She's old and she's crazy. Like, you know, she'll get up in the middle of a movie and run to the door barking, but there was no bell, no nothing. It was like a horror movie and it was a big suspenseful moment, but she swears she heard the doorbell. Mm -hmm. She was old and she was falling apart but she still could see a little bit and she used to know tricks and so she would know by the hand gestures and the fact you were holding cheese or something she would do her tricks and i was like you know pepper sit she just like really slow and creaky Mm -hmm. knees sat down and i was like good girl and then i said shake and i put my hand out and she looked at my hand and just started having this michael j fox moment where she started just parkinson in it and i went oh that's a good girl pepper (laughs) and Mom gave me this look because that dog was her baby. That dog's name should have been Shadow. And she gave me this look that how dare I make a geriatric joke about her favorite child. And I just, I remember that because me and Mike lost it. Yeah. And I wasn't planned, but she wasn't shaking my damn hand and I wasn't going to let her just, you know, you don't, you don't avoid a man's handshake without getting taken down a peg or two in my world. That's just the height of rudeness. Yeah, you really showed that dog. <laughs> yeah. She didn't remember, but everybody else did. Oh, my God. But yeah, I mean, that was a moment where I can say, yeah, mom's tolerance mm-hmm. of our sense of humor started coming through. Yeah. And pretty much any dinner she invites me to where Brandon and his family's at. <laughs> The fact she still invites me <laughs> shows that her comedy has come a long way. It has. <laughs> I quite enjoy those nights. I don't like them being very often. Yeah. But I want to make sure that everybody and everybody's kids and nieces are there to see it. <laughs> one of my one of my crowning moments of making jokes in mom's presence. I don't remember what I said about Brandon, but 
It wasn't good. <laughs> it was not nice is what uh-huh. I mean. But it wasn't over the line and I wasn't cussing or anything like that. And his stepdaughter, Kira, laughed at him, <laughs> but like under her breath behind him and then quickly covered her mouth like a Japanese like lady and then looked around to make sure that like nobody in her family saw her laugh at it. And I was like, and it was one of those, again, deadpan, mm-hmm. slow plays. People are going to get it. They may not laugh in front of mom. Yeah. And she was like, <laughs> and I was like, boom, the one person in the room that was joke was for you. Oh, well, we're getting closer to the end of time here. Is there um, any other kind of topic or stories you've got um, just in relation to your influences, stories you remember, just anything else related to comedy you kind of want to like talk about? Or I mean... Like I said, I mean, to this day, I love watching comedy. There's, there's some, I mean, you could have just a comedy podcast where you talked about a different topic yeah. every week, but, um, I mean, there's lots of people we even get close to mm-hmm. talking about, like on a comedy thing. And some people would be like, Oh my God, you didn't mention any <laughs> Bruce at all. But you know, I wasn't born in the fifties. Yeah. So I could do a Mel Brooks podcast. I, know. I just like, those are those cornerstones of those are everything that like the people we grew up with built their career off of, you know, like that's where their comedy comes from or those same cornerstones that, you know, we're watching now. Yeah. Yeah. It all started somewhere mm-hmm. or somebody later became who they were now or whatever. But yeah, there's, there's a lot that like we didn't even touch on, but as far as growing up, those were the things that like, that I think about or funny stories or whatever. And it's like, Oh, I wouldn't even think that way if it wasn't for some comedy show or something. And it has nothing to do with like, Oh, stealing somebody's bits or whatever. But when you watch so many things, delivery and all that, yeah, it's good. Well then, um, dude, I appreciate you for, for, for joining me and, and talking through this because uh, yeah man we need to do a premier league one. Oh my god yes well you have a good night and uh thank you for doing this yeah man anytime mm-hmm.